0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 371 for July 14th, 2013. Sprint and T-Mobile release new service plans and programs. AT&T announces plans to purchase Cricket. Cricket and a Windows phone with a 41-megapixel camera. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Koppis. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, the iOS, and now the Windows Phone 8 App Store for $1.99. Well, a big week of shakeups in the wireless industry, starting with yet another network acquisition. AT&T and Leap Wireless on Friday announcing that they'd reached a deal for AT&T to buy regional carrier cricket. AT&T will keep the expanded service from Cricket Wireless and bring additional U.S. cities and plans to use with the spectrum owned by Cricket to help bolster its own offerings. The purchase includes all of LEAP's assets, including 3,400 employees, 5 million customers, a CDMA and LTE network, and radio spectrum licenses covering 137 million people. The purchase price is $15 a share or about $1.2 billion. About 30% of LEAP's shareholders have already agreed to vote in favor of the deal. The deal is subject to FCC and Department of Justice review.
1: I wonder how they're going to integrate this. Is this because it's a CDMA network, uh, whereas ATT is, of course, you know GSM based? And you know, I don't know what the frequencies are of their LTE network and the frequencies of their spectrum
0: and how all that's going to integrate. Well, I know that uh, for the most part, this is, I I would imagine going to be something where they run it side by side for a while, but then ultimately we'll try and assimilate all those customers onto traditional AT&T devices so that they can eventually, you know, sunset that network and bring that spectrum into into play here. So they're a PCS provider on the uh, CDMA side. So they've got 1900 megahertz spectrum. So that should be pretty easy for AT&T to handle. Uh, But on the LTE side, it's going to be different. It's not adjacent to what they own
1: right now. And maybe they won't ever uh, switch them over to GSM. Maybe AT and T's got plans to phase that network out, which I'm sure you know the companies do, and go to a voice
0: over LTE style network, and maybe just phase it out at that point in time. I mean, we went from a failed merger last year with T-Mobile to ultimately uh, seeing T-Mobile merge with MetroPCS, And now we've got this one coming up here. So uh, I would imagine that this is, this is all stuff that has to happen for these carriers. Otherwise, it's just not going to, they're not going to see the, the forward progress that they need, uh, not only with customers, but also with the spectrum holdings that are necessary. Now I wonder what this
1: is going to mean for the deal they have with Sprint, because they a lot of the roaming for cities and, and even rural areas is provided by Sprint and they're in a five-year
0: deal that they signed in 2010. I would imagine that that continues on. I don't see any reason for that to change. I'm sure SoftBank, which we'll get to in just a minute, is going to want to continue to see uh, those revenues coming in. They're not going to want to, you know, change anything up there. But you know, perhaps they look at uh, changing something on that side because of possible uh, integration things with AT and T. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't see that happening. But either way, it, it's uh, you know we, we continue to see these things happening. Obviously, we know the government stance when we're talking about one of the top four carriers and another one of the top four carriers looking to get together but when it comes to the other six in the top 10 that are out there uh, clearly this kind of thing is is uh, going to continue to happen here so uh, but uh, it, it's it's one of those things you know there were probably only outside of metro pcs and cricket uh, i'm trying to think of even who else was out there that was worth anything i mean there's just there's very very uh, few carriers out there anymore that that are going to make any sort of sense for someone to acquire So I wonder what this will be like for consumers because, you know, Cricket uh, says here they
1: they launched in June of 1998. And I remember hearing about them in the Phoenix market because it was actually a big deal at the time. It was what, 35 bucks a month for just unlimited local minutes. Uh, You weren't able to go roaming with your phone. You had to stay in like your region, like it was a five state or something, but you had unlimited minutes without long distance on there. And that provided a very unique opportunity for a lot of people to actually ditch their landline for a cell phone. And, uh, you know, I know kind of throughout the years, they've kind of kept that prepaid mentality where they've had some unique uh, plans and offerings. And I would imagine maybe they'll stay the same for a while. But like you said, eventually, they'll be, it'll probably be
0: phased out. So let's, let's talk about this. We do every quarter because Fierce Wireless does a great job uh, with the data from strategy analytics of, of kind of putting this all together and talking about what it means uh, for each of these carriers. So Verizon's still the top carrier in the U.S. They've got 116 million subscribers. AT&T is number two, but 107 million. Then we drop all the way down to about half of that with Sprint Nextel at 54 million. Then you've got T-Mobile at 33 million. But keep in mind, that that also will be closer to 40 million now because of the Metro PCS acquisition. Clearwire is still considered a carrier with about 10 million subscribers, but keep in mind that a lot of those are actually uh, affiliate subscribers, uh, including wholesale that uh, you, we're talking about here that are those that are using the Sprint network. And so it's the 4G you know uh, services that were being used by Sprint customers. So that, But again, that's now assimilated with Sprint, so that's going to drop off. Then you've got US Cellular, which was number seven. They're at 5.7 million subscribers. Uh, Leave wireless at 5.2 million, and uh, everybody else is less than half a million subscribers. So really, we're only talking about here uh, U.S. Sailors, all that's left. Uh, otherwise, you just have four carriers: Verizon, AT and T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and then uh, other than U.S. Sailor, it's it's all they're all gone. So uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, you've got to choose one of these carriers now. Uh, you you don't really have any other choices unless you go prepaid, and that's what a lot of people are choosing to do now. Prepaid. I think is a good way to go in many regards. We, uh, we have a, a couple of uh, comments later and also a question uh, in relation to prepaid stuff. So we'll chat a little bit more about that in a little bit. But on to some Sprint news here. On Tuesday, they announced that they had finalized the acquisition of ClearWire after a six-month battle with rival Dish Networks and ClearWire investors. Sprint now has complete control over the company's assets, which include large 2.5 gigahertz spectrum holdings. Clearwire's shareholders approved the deal on July 8th, following the FCC's July 5th approval. Sprint and SoftBank on Thursday announcing that they'd completed the SoftBank equity acquisition of Sprint. The name of the company has now been changed from Sprint Nextel to Sprint Corporation. Dan Hesse remains as the company's CEO, though SoftBank CEO uh, Maysos... May Mesa Yoshi-san, will serve as the chairman of Sprint's corporation's board of directors. The deal is worth $21.6 billion, including $5 billion in cash, uh, to boost the company's balance sheet to the $16.6 billion uh, that has been distributed to Sprint shareholders now. Sprint on Thursday also announcing some new service plans, two in fact, one called Unlimited My Way, the other My All In. Both plans come with a guarantee that customers can keep unlimited features for the respective life of the plans the my all in plan includes unlimited data text and talk plus up to 5 gigabytes of mobile hotspot use for $110 per month the unlimited my way plan is available for individuals or families with up to 10 lines all lines include unlimited talk and text and each line can have its own data option which can be $10 a month for unlimited data on basic phones $20 a month for 1 gigabyte on smartphones or $30 a month for unlimited data on smartphones the an add on for mobile hotspot usage includes one gigabyte for ten dollars and all of these sound great but uh, are they really unlimited talk and text is now guaranteed forever but that doesn't mean that the prices will stay the same for all of those services here's what the fine print says unlimited guarantee well uh, well available while line of services activated on unlimited my way plans or my all in plans applies to unlimited features only, uh, excludes other data options and mobile hotspot, price and phone selection subject to change, account must remain in good standing, and non-payment may void guarantee. It's also non-transferable. So if you're looking to get into one of these, you'll have that unlimited guarantee. However, it could go up, which of course is kind of negating the idea of having an unlimited plan because certainly I can figure out how much data that I need and adjust that accordingly with some of these other plans. So uh, I don't know, unless you're someone who's A lot of video, I don't see that as being a a really great thing. Here's the other part of it. Uh, What does it mean for the 4G network? Well, there's no assurance you get to use it for everything. Here's what they say about the speed limitations. Other plans may receive prioritized bandwidth availability. So that means even though you've got one of these plans that's unlimited, you may not receive the same priority for your device and using the data on those plans. Also, streaming video speeds may be limited to one megabit per second, and Sprint may terminate service if off-network roaming usage in a month exceeds 800 minutes or the majority of the minutes on that service's use, or 100 megabytes Or the majority of the kilobytes that are being used. So, if you're roaming, be careful. Don't use a lot of data because you could easily have this canceled. I'm not seeing it as being, uh, I guess, a major thing for them right now. You know, for a lot of people that are going to be doing roaming. Because really, what are you roaming on? It's an EVDO network at this point. You're probably not going to be using that much data. Uh, But either way, are these plans good for consumers? If you look at what $110 will get you on the other carriers uh, for either AT&T or uh, Verizon is really kind of I think where they're going after here you have a $40 a month smartphone and for to get you up to that $110 you would then have to add on a $70 plan which would get you 4 gigabytes of data. That includes mobile hotspot usage by the way so uh, you have 4 gigs of data including mobile hotspot use so that's where you're going to need to f- determine whether or not that that's the point in which you're going to go over. If it is then Maybe this one of these is good for you, but otherwise, I don't know. For me, I think I can I can get by personally on a single line. I can get by with one gig of data per month, and uh, on a you know a shared line, shared plan, I can do two gigs, which is still cheaper in, in the long run for me than going with one of these plans from Sprint.
1: Yeah, and it just provides a it's it's like it's locking you in, but we really won't lock you in because if anything ever changes, and in and, and Sprint is great about kind of wiggling their way out of these things it seems that i don't know if it's even worth locking this stuff in and, and and i thought for some reason you just mentioned the hotspot and i
0: thought in these plans that's not included is it or is it one of those like the the
1: mouthful plans they've got here
0: yeah so there i'm sorry i should say on the the 110 plan that's the one that gives you five gigs of mobile hotspot use for 110 uh and unlimited data otherwise though so what that means is you could stream netflix on your phone, unlimited and you just watch it all day long, all month long. but if you tether that phone to a tablet and watch Netflix, that's where you've got problems.
1: But also though, but they say that the other plans have streaming videos limited to one megabit per second, and that's actually pretty low quality for most videos. You re- almost really even wouldn't want
0: want to watch Netflix at that speed. Well, I think ultimately we've got some interesting options here, whether or not it's going to be right for everybody. Uh, This is why we have options. But for those that are really concerned about having unlimited data as Sprint continues to move forward here, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable about their financial position, having the backing of someone like SoftBank and being kind of completely out of the Clearwire thing as a partnership. Now it's a wholly owned deal for them. But I'm still not, uh, I'm not sure that they're the right network for a lot of people, although they do have that one thing, i.e. unlimited going for them, that uh, would offer them, you know, to be a good, you know, at least a good second, uh, second option for people that are not looking to go with one of the top uh, two carriers that are out there. So interesting stuff with that. Now, they were not the only carrier to announce new programs this week. T-Mobile on Wednesday announcing multiple new initiatives, including a new way to upgrade your phone. The biggest announcement from the press event was something that they're calling JUMP. It stands for JUMP. Just upgrade my phone. Jump is a program that lets customers upgrade their devices anytime they want up to two times per year. The program includes protection against device malfunction, damage, loss, or theft for only $10 a month on top of your service plan. Users trade in their devices and upgrade to a new smartphone or feature phone up to two times per year at the same cost as a new subscriber would pay coming into one of their plans. The only caveat is that users must up, uh, wait 180 days after joining the program before they're allowed to do their first upgrade. But uh, not a bad deal, I think, here for those that are looking to figure out a way to get the new devices that are coming out. I know, me personally, I I don't go through devices more than probably once a year is is really where I'm going. But for 10 bucks a month, uh, maybe I'd consider doing it. Now, is it a deal? Perhaps not because you're spending whatever the cost is of a new device. And T-Mobile historically has been about $50 $50 to $100 more per device, uh, even when signing a new uh, contract, which, of course, they don't have contracts now. So you're going to have to take into account, do you want to pay the the, the service plan plus the I don't even remember what they call it, basically the financing that they have. So that usually the 20 to 25 bucks a month for the device, plus $10 on top of that, just to be able to upgrade uh, at the time, you know, which it'll cost you another $200 probably for the latest smartphone or maybe even $300. Uh, to get that new smartphone plus all of that stuff on top of it it's a good way to stay on top of the technology it's an interesting way that no one else is doing it but um you know for me i am not sure that it's it's worth it uh, you know to upgrade twice per year is a lot um but again a lot of people like doing this so so maybe it is a th- something to consider uh personally i again just i don't know that i, I would need it two times per year
1: yeah, so you know if you did it would add what uh, 120 bucks a year and it also includes the insurance. Sure. Uh, so so I guess if if you have insurance already so if you're somebody that likes to drop phones or has that so that that you know reduce that cost a little bit but you know, if you were doing it once per year, 120 bucks on top of it. So it looks like they sell like, for example, an iPhone 5 with 32 gigs. It looks like they, they say a down payment of 245 So I'm assuming that's what they mean, right? Mm-hmm. For the new customer price exactly. where you pay 245 for it. So if you have to pay that plus an additional... Uh, $120 for the year, you know, it's bringing your price up, but that's not nearly as bad as buying it outright, I suppose, uh, for the 640 every year. But then, of course, you can sell your device and make money back on the backside. So I don't know exactly how this uh, equates out. And maybe
0: it's one of these things where you have to do it twice a year to really make it worthwhile. And you, you, you said something that's actually not completely correct. The, the program for the $10 a month also has you trading in your device. To upgrade. Yeah, I-
1: exactly. To
0: the new one. So you're not you're not selling it.
1: No, no, I meant to say, I, I kind of meant that as an alternative where you okay. know, if you didn't do it this way, you sell your iPhone. Like like if you wanted to upgrade to the 5S that's coming or whatever it's going to be called, you would sell your iPhone 5 and make a little bit of cash back that way. But in this case, yeah,
0: you don't get to keep your device and you have to still pay for the new one. Okay. So that all makes sense. I, I, I think that's, that, that's a good way to think about it. But if you're not, if you're an iPhone user, does it make sense to every, to spend an extra 120 bucks just to be able to, to be able to do that? I don't know. I mean, when you sell a, a, a one-year-old phone, uh, iPhone, that is, you're usually getting around $400. So uh, you're to buy that. This is like the low end model This be about 400 bucks. So you can, if you buy it outright for 650 and sell it uh, a year later for 400, uh maybe it is a little bit better of a deal because you're you're get you're only having to pay 120 dollars to be able to get to that new device and uh, you, and then you're you're there uh basically so but then you're also paying a lot i don't know it this is a hard one cuz i don't ha- i didn't create a spreadsheet uh to figure out if I this know, is a good deal exa- or not yeah, right exactly. I mean, that's, and that's
1: exactly that's yeah you have to do and you also have to look at what kind of phone ranges y- y- you want to have if you want to have the top of the line smartphone which this would make more sense for android devices when there's a, n- a new flagship device every you know three weeks, it seems, where you've got, where every six months you potentially would want to upgrade to to the, the latest and greatest Android device. iPhones, yeah, the yearly cycle is not quite as aggressive for the update, so it doesn't make as much sense, but... Uh, it's definitely a, a fascinating option for upgrades, especially when they went kind of the other way and made you pay full price and they've got this financing thing. So they're kind of making the upfront cost seem a much more obvious in there. And of course you have the, the potential to save money after you pay for the device.
0: So now they're kind of flipping it around the other direction. And I love the alternative that it does give you. Oh, yeah, that and that's a good point. And I think, uh, you know, for T-Mobile customers having these these different options that are out there are great. I mean, it's even if you don't take advantage of them, it's at least good to know that you could if you wanted to.
1: And it is something completely I mean, they promised something unique uh, when they started doing this changes. And this this is a very unique alternative. I, I also wonder if the condition of the phone that you're trading in makes a difference. If mm. it's if it's destroyed, if they won't give you the full,
0: quote unquote, value for it, and you'll have to pay more. I don't I, I don't know about that aspect. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, clearly they also talk about the ability to, you know, if you have a, a damage, lost, or theft, uh, you're also included there. And I'm not sure uh, the, the fine print on that. How many times you get to do this? Probably once or once a year, maybe. Yeah, and there's usually a deductible involved right. with those kind of claims. So maybe you'd have to pay that deductible if your phone's in really poor shape. Yeah, you know, and I know they're trying to simplify things here. And in many cases, they are, especially if you're someone who's keeping track of this and following it. And if, probably if you jump into the program, no pun intended, you're, you're taking advantage of this. So you're going to understand where they where this is at uh, and where you need to be. And, and you know, heck, you're going to take advantage of the fact that every six months you can do this. I, mean, I, I think it'd be kind of fun, you know, to perhaps buy a, an iPhone, use it for six months, then buy the latest Galaxy and use that for six months and buy the next iPhone and pop back and forth or something like something like that, because they do offer the the top tier smartphones and so they they do have that going for them for sure they do and it's to me it kind of reminds me of like
1: leasing a car in in a small kind of way because you you don't have to actually commit to buying the car and you pay less per month typically than buying the car
0: outright so it's it's definitely a different alternative well, and, uh, you know, so the, the next question is, is, is T-Mobile even the carrier that works for you? And that was the other part of this announcement that they had this week, was they said they uh, they had ex- uh, significantly expanded their the reach of their 4G LTE network. They now reach 157 million pops in 116 markets, including 73 of the top 100 markets across the country. They say they're on track to reach 200 million pops and 200 markets by the end of the year. They also debuted a simply... Simply Choice Plan for Families is what it's called. Excuse me. Simple Simple Choice Plans include unlimited talk and text, uh, but just five hundred megabytes of pooled web use. uh, But it's only a hundred dollars per month, so that's not a bad uh, way to go here uh, if you're looking to add a whole bunch of lines uh, for you know and share a bunch of data. That you're not using just gigabytes upon gigabytes of data. They also added several new devices to their lineup of LTE compatible phones, including the Sony Xperia Z and the Nokia Lumia nine twenty five. The 925 offered for a down payment of $50 bucks with payments of $20 a month. Available in stores July 17th. The Xperia Z going on sale July 17th, requiring a $100 down payment and 24 monthly payments of $20. In other network news, Tempo Telecom on Monday announcing the addition of new prepaid plans for its wireless services. The company offers three different types of plans, monthly, paygo, and unlimited. The monthly plan started only $10 a month for 50 minutes and range to $50 a month for a 1,000 minutes. Tempo bills text messages, picture messages, and data usage as, quote, minutes. So three SMS equals one voice minute, one megabyte of data equals two voice minutes, and one MMS equals one voice minute. Tempo allows monthly customers to carry over unused minutes from month to month, and the paygo plans start at, uh, those plans start uh, at $10 a month, like I said. Uh, and they also have 100-day cycles rather than 30 or 60 days. Now, the $10 uh, per month plan for the PAYGO side includes 40 minutes of talk time and the corresponding amount of SMS and MMS for data that can be used over that 100-day period. The PAYGO plans range from $70 for 1,000 minutes uh, in MMS and data, Lastly, they offer unlimited plans that cost uh, $45, $50, or $60 for unlimited voice and messaging, and then either $250, $1 gig, or 2.5 gigs of data, respectively. They're a Sprint MVNO, and they offer feature phones, including the Samsung Factor M260. Uh, flip phone and the samsung galaxy s3 lots of different options here different plans not totally clear a little confusing but at the same time if you're looking to save a little bit of money uh, this is a good option here you can get a smartphone from last year and uh, save yourself quite a bit of money on the device side this week, Sprint on Tuesday announcing that the HTC 8XT, the first Windows Phone 8 LTE 4G device, will go on sale beginning July 19th at the cost $100 after $50 mail in rebate and new agreement. Nokia on Thursday announcing the Lumia 1020. This is a Windows Phone 8 smartphone featuring, among other things, a 41 megapixel camera. The 1020 includes many of the same features seen on last year's PureView 808, such as second generation. Op- Optical Image Stabilization Zeiss Optics with a 6 lens design a Mechanical Shutter and a Xenon Flash A revised camera application called Nokia Pro Camera is also included with the device providing granular control over the flash focus ISO shutter speed white balance and exposure as well as the ability to zoom straighten horizons alter orientation and reframe images as they're taken The camera also records 1080p HD video at 30 frames per second with stereo sound that can accommodate loud events such as concerts. Now, hardware features of the 1020 include a 4.5-inch AMOLED WXGA display with Gorilla Glass 3. It's got 32 gigs of onboard storage and access to AT&T Locker, which provides an additional 50 gigs of online storage for free. The device will be sold at AT AT&T beginning July 26th for $300 with a new contract. Pre-orders start July 16th. It comes in black, white, or yellow. Well, they certainly didn't go uh, skimping on the megapixels, did they? Forty-one megapixels. I mean, even even the 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 best cameras that are out there right now, I think, are at sixteen megapixels. So they basically tripled that.
1: I I wonder why they went with something so crazy just to say that we've got the biggest and we will for the next ten years. I, I mean, I'm curious with the the with the you know the descriptions they they call out here with the xenon flash mechanical shutter. It sounds like a regular camera that's got Android attached to it, kind of like we saw with the what was it the Samsung Flash or whatever that thing the camera thing was called, but you know, it with, with Zeiss Optics and, and you know, the Windows phone, maybe it could be a very, very unique
0: uh, camera phone, really. Maybe. And I, I'm not sure that I I see this one being the, the one that everyone runs to. Although for the, the phone geeks out there that you're going to want to have something that's got that that absolutely fantastic, you know, best in class camera. This is this is the way that you can go. Uh, and it, you said Android. It's got Windows Phone. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm sorry. I, I You know what? You're right. You're totally right. I've just I, was, got, I had that Samsung one stuck in my mind as a
0: comparable phone. And then I just said that. Yeah, and slip. Breaking news Joey wants Nokia to switch to Android. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. No, I really don't. I think they should actually stick with Windows Phone. I really do. They probably should. I think it's a good strategy, too, although, you know, certainly one that could be argued. But uh, either way, yeah, it's, it's a. They focused on this one specific feature, although probably uh, interesting for a lot of people that are looking for that. I know I personally really love having a great camera on my phone. And uh, as an iOS user, The 5S may be compelling enough just because of the upgraded camera alone.
1: You know what? For how much I use the camera, that's exactly right. And I think that this could be a compelling argument just for that reason, because uh, the the camera is just it's it's that killer feature that uh, the consolidation of the phone and the camera and, you know, back in the days, it used to be, you know, or your organizer and email. That was the big, exciting thing. Uh, you know, the camera is still just this hardware device that you still you still need this piece of hardware that you cannot get replicated on
0: a little teeny app or something. Yeah, and it's in your pocket all the time. It's just it, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, personally, I, I use it. I can't even tell you how many pictures a day. I mean, I'm over 3000 in my camera roll and whatever the nine months that I've had it. So I'm using it all the time. But of course, on the iOS side of things,
1: uh, you know, I feel kind of spoiled with the photo stream functionality where I immediately go to my computer and there's all my pictures, my iPad, the pictures are already there. Every, every computer I go to, the photo stream's already been downloaded and transferred. So, you know, there are trade offs, of course, if you went to something like this, but uh, nonetheless, uh, a high quality camera is something that you just you, you have to really kind of pay attention to.
0: I think that the photo stream is actually a very underrated feature. Uh, we know that we're getting shared uh, or not shared photo streams. We're getting photo streams that, that you, it, they can have pictures added to them by anybody that's part of the group that's coming with iOS 7. But uh, I do have a question and I'm, I'm looking for input. I, I've done a little research on this, but really not all that much. And, and so I, I, I know there's a lot of iOS users that are out there and I would love to know how you are backing up your shared photo streams. So how do you back those things up and, and how are you getting those to, uh, to you know to, to figure out a way to, to do something with them? So let me, let me explain my system, which is clearly broken. That's why I'm bringing it up here. but it's, it's interesting uh, to note because I'm sure some of you will maybe have thought of this or maybe you hadn't. So the, the, the most interesting thing for me about having the ability to have all of my photos taken on my iPhone or my iPad, Backed up is the fact that I can just on a Windows machine, because of course, for what crazy reason the the backup on the iOS side or the the macOS side, I should say, is just not as easy. So on the on the on the Windows uh, seven side or the Windows desktop side, I have the iCloud app running. I can then or have dictated where I have the iCloud slash Photo Stream photos being stored. And that location for me is in Box. Now, Box offers 50 gigabytes of free storage, but they have a limitation which says that you can't store the, uh, files that are larger than 250 megabytes. Now, for certain media, that is kind of a, a I think, a, a, a big deal. Uh, certain things like applications that I store and share, uh, you know, whether it's movies or TV shows or whatever it is. Uh, it doesn't work. So I don't actually use it. But I, I realized that if I d- use something like a photo stream for it, this actually makes a lot of sense because photos are never going to be over 250 megabytes, at least not in the foreseeable future. So uh, I have all of my photos that are that are going in there being being backed up that way. So that all that all is kind of cool. However, uh, what I also do is I have Dropbox and I think Dropbox is a great solution because not only oh, so here's the limitation of the of the, the photo stream side. Videos are not included, right? So I can't do videos. So you got to figure out a way how to back up your videos. And I know I can plug in my phone and pull them off that way. I don't like it. It's not a good solution. It's not automatic. It doesn't happen in the background. So I don't like it. I don't want to use it. So, uh, so I, I use Dropbox. And what Dropbox can do is, uh, you know, when you have it running, and you can actually go into the settings and check a box that kind of launches it every once in a while to, you know, upload everything in the background. I don't have to do anything. So it automatically uploads all of the photos that have been taken on my phone or my iPad and all the videos, and it uploads all those to Dropbox, so this seems like an even more perfect of a solution than the photo stream option, but here's the kicker, it does not handle any of the photo streams, so I've got, I mean, I've got a lot, I've got one with Joey, I've got one with my wife, I've got one with my mom, my mother, I mean, I've got all these, these, these photo streams that are all over and I've got no good way to back them up through Dropbox, so I'm like forced to use this approach. That it also is duplicating all of my photos, and maybe it's a good backup strategy. But to be quite honest, I don't need it with how uh, you know either one of these service works. It's probably the best. So. And what I'm looking for is a good way to what I'm guessing is going to be use Dropbox, but then figure out a way on the maybe the desktop side to have a computer do a little heavy lifting and grab all those shared photo streams and move them back over to my Dropbox without having to having everything duplicated with already the photo stream uploading all of those photos already.
1: And of course, Apple's official response is on your iOS device, you have to tap each single one of them and save to your camera roll course that's no good yeah. mac you just have to yeah. load them into your iphoto library and then of course back up your aperture library when you're done with that on your pc of course as you know you use the shared photo stream uh thing back up just what you're doing and save that
0: folder so they don't provide any help the, yeah it's 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 very weird and i'm i'm guessing i'm not the only one that's trying to to figure this out because Dropbox the dropbox solution is actually a pretty good one it just doesn't do the the shared photo stream so how in the world are you supposed to back that stuff up unless you use something on the desktop side and i just i don't know i don't want to i don't use iPhoto on a regular basis i don't want to just use that to do this i'm i'm i just want it to be easy this this is it i it's it's such a cool thing to have all these shared photo streams but if my if my phone or my ipad dies i'm you know i'm I'm out of luck unless i've got something working on a computer in the background to back this all up
1: yeah and in in if the Pictures are recent; it's fine. But if they f- end up falling off, which don't they eventually? Or maybe they don't do no, this. Share- Thirty days. Thirty days is all they're on there for. Okay, yeah. So you definitely need a way to back them up.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine. I would imagine if I go fire up a new computer right now. Uh, they're actually, that's a really good question. I wonder if they are. I wonder how that would if that would if that would work. If they're just sitting in there in a shared photo stream, because why would you not? put all of your photos in shared photo streams then, right? I mean, if it was that, I, I've got to imagine they're only there for 30 days or a thousand photos before they fall off. And I, I'm constantly at a thousand photos because I just take that many and, and do that much. So I don't know if, if you've got some sort of situation or some way that you're backing this up, we'd love to hear from you. If it's easier to write it, uh, feel free to do that and send us an email. Uh, otherwise, send us a voicemail and kind of explain what it is that you're doing because I would love to, love to hear it. Well, it's definitely more than 30 days because I've got pictures from you, Mickey, that could date back to way before Christmas. Well, here's the thing, but you had, that your phone had downloaded those. What I'm saying is, is if you go get a new iOS device right now, log it in with your credentials, your iCloud credentials, what is going to be pulled down today? Is it going to pull down all those pre-Christmas photos? My guess is not. My guess is that it's only going to pull down the ones from the last 30 days. So, yeah, because they're, they're, of course, they're on there. I've got ones on my iPad that are from, you know, from the, like, the uh, two days after I got the iPad. I mean, they're, they're all there. Um, it's because I haven't ever wiped the iPad or, yeah, wipe your iPad and then see what happens. I know you're not going to do that, but, uh, (laughs) you know, this is what I'm saying. What gets, what gets redownloaded at that point? And, and what is the, uh, where, where are they coming from? Is it, you know, like I said, if that were the case, why wouldn't you just, put everything in shared photo streams i don't know this is a great question a great you know something i'd love to hear if you've got some you know experience with this because certainly uh it's it's something that is is bothering me for no good reason so either way either way uh interestingly though this all transferred from a conversation about the lumia 1020 so let's move on here and talk a little android the samsung galaxy s4 became available on some metro two metro pcs stores this week and uh it's and. $50 without a contract. Uh, It will operate, interestingly, on the T-Mobile network after this acquisition, of course. It's being sold, though, under the MetroPCS brand. It's uh, launching it in limited markets, including Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Hartford, Las Vegas, New York, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. They do not require a contract and service plans start at only $40 per month. C Spire also announced the availability of the S4 this week, and they will be selling the device in various southern markets, though they will be requiring an agreement, but the cost of the phone is only $200. In software news, Mailbox for iOS received an update that lets users attach files directly from Dropbox. After allowing Mailbox access to Dropbox, a list of your Dropbox folders will then pop up, letting you select any file you want. Of course, Mailbox was acquired by Dropbox back in March. Google on Wednesday announcing that it will close its Latitude location sharing service on August 9th. Latitude has allowed mobile users to check into venues and share their locations with others who use the service. Some of the Latitude functionality has been replaced through Google Plus. Now, I heard this and I thought, well, who cares? And then I thought, well, you know, interestingly, I have actually used the Latitude service with other Android users as we were kind of tracking each other as we were doing different things on uh, on trips where you're in different cars and stuff like that. So it was a nice service to be able to use. uh, Though, uh, like I said, there's other kind of replacement functionality that's been put out there so uh, unfortunately you've got only another month and you no longer have latitude google on wednesday also announced It was making changes uh, in a new version of Maps available to Android devices with a new app for iOS devices soon to come. The new Maps has user interface changes along with a new Explore tool that lets people see what's nearby without the need to perform an actual search. The information is presented on cards similar to those used in Google Now. Google also improved the navigation tools within the application with support for rerouting around traffic, the incorporation of Zagat and user reviews, and will visually incorporate Google offers into Maps as people search search through areas where offers are available. Lastly, Google is rolling out a new version of Maps specifically for tablets. The Android version of the app is available in Google Play, with the iOS version coming soon. Twitter on Monday pushing updates for its Android, iOS, Mac, and browser-based applications. The update adds one new feature, syncing of direct messages. If a device uh, is, or a message is read on one device, it will appear as read on other devices. Until this update, users would have to mark read messages on each device from which they access Twitter. AT&T this week announcing that the BlackBerry Z Ken can now download BlackBerry OS 10.1. The update can be installed over the air via BlackBerry's desktop software uh, or via BlackBerry's desktop software. BlackBerry 10.1 adds new features including HDR mode in the camera, pin-to-pin messaging, support for Skype, and various other enhancements. Questions and comments this week, kicking them off with a comment from Bill. He says, Mickey and Joey, longtime listener with a few comments regarding show 370. I appreciate your cost comparison between subsidized carrier prices and the non-subsidized alternatives. Many folks only look at the upfront cost, not thinking about how much that they'll be forking over on a two-year contract. Of course, network quality and scope do need to be considered as well. One point that you didn't highlight in your piece compare price comparison is the fact that T-Mobile's plans, are in them, your upfront cost can still be the same as a subsidized carrier since T-Mobile will basically finance the phone cost for you at 0% for 2 years. I picked up the BlackBerry Q10 for $100 upfront and pay $20 a month for 2 years. And unless I want to pay off the balance sooner, my monthly savings on T-Mobile's plan is more than $20 versus the subsidized carriers if I keep the phone for after 2 years. And then, of course, I won't be paying that $20 a month. Additionally, regarding the lock screen issues on Android that you discussed, I think your uh, your emails and your discussion were mostly about non-stock Android phones. And I think we should be noting this when we talk about Android on the show. The email was about an S4, which was likely running TouchWiz. I've got the Nexus 4, and I'm reasonably happy with the Dash Clock application. I'm using a pattern unlock, so I do, so I do have to drag down the expanded notification list, but I don't have to unlock it until I go go into one of the applications. There are extensions to Dash Clock for many programs, and there's even an extension Any Dash that lets me add notifications for applications that don't support Dash Clock, such as the email app Touchdown. Finally, with the Daydream option set to the Dash Clock app, I can leave my Nexus 4 on my wireless charging stand and see my notifications while the phone charges. Keep up the good work. I always look forward to the show. Thanks, Bill. Bill, some good points here, not only on the financing, And uh, how much money you'd be saving after that two years when you pay off the BlackBerry Q10, but also with your comments here on the Android questions that we had last week, so thank you very much. Following that up with a comment from Andrew, this came from Twitter, he says, regarding the question on last week's show, regarding exhibition mode, uh, the person that was looking, uh, or is looking for an app called Daydream, apps can plug into the functionality to display while charging, similar to what Bill mentioned there. Then next we have a comment from Dominic, he says, a couple of suggestions for Adam from last week's show, number one, he asked for just about checking notifications without unlocking, on my wife's Note 2, she can lay her phone down on a table and just wave her hand across the screen and the screen will wake up and show notifications and the battery status. I think this is included as well in the S4. Number two, he wants a keyboard that has a number row. I would use Thumb Keyboard. I believe it's only $3. And once installed, there's a mic button on the lower left side. Long press that option and it will come up With a row of numbers up above. You will then be, uh, you'll have to add each number individually. However, the screen is big enough to add each number. Uh, When you do it, it will leave uh, about three numbers off. Hope this helps, Dominic. So there you go, Adam, there's some more recommendations for you from Dominic. Uh, next one. Comment from James. He says, I believe this will help out one of our cell phone junkie listeners with the volume control issue. It's an app called Persist, and it allows control of your audio with a variety of volume controls and settings. It lets you create presets to easily apply to your favorite for your favorite settings. It will lock the volume to prevent accidental changes. It easily allows access to volume controls and presets via notification shortcuts. You can change ringtones for your alarm, ringer, and notifications, also switching the ringer mode between silent vibrate and normal other control vibrate or you can control the vibrate settings and also change a variety of volume levels including the alarm bluetooth media notification ringer system and of course, voice calling notifications as well. So thank you, James, for that. Persist, as this application can be found in the Android App Store. And finally today, a question from Alex. He says, hi, I use T-Mobile prepaid. I'm thinking about getting a new phone. The phones I have in mind are the LG Optimus 9, or L9, and the Nexus 4, 8 gigabyte. What would it be better to get one of these phones now or wait a while? Is there anything else like them to be released uh, out there like them now or I'm in, things that are going to be released soon? Thank you, Alex. Well, Alex, you know, this is the the age old question, right? If you talk about buying a new phone, it's like buying uh, any new piece of electronic or a new car. Uh, there's always something that's going to be coming out right around the corner. I would imagine we're going to see a new Nexus sometime either later this fall, which has kind of been the, the latest cycle for them, is that they're coming out sometime in the September, October, October maybe even November timeframe. So probably we'll see a Nexus 5 around that time. It's always about this time though, where we start to get itchy, right? Because we haven't had a new iPhone in a while. We haven't had a new Nexus in a while. And so people start to think about what it is that they're going to do. But for uh, for 300 bucks, I-, I think the Nexus 4 is a pretty good option here. If you're looking for a solid Android device today.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could definitely do that or you could wait uh, for that because, you know, we saw some rumors of a Nexus 5, right? And it looks like it's going to be by LG again, so it's probably going to be somewhat similar to the Nexus 4, probably just with the upgraded specs is is my gut feel. But it may also uh, be the new uh, device for the new operating system version as well. I don't know if we're at Kielheim Pi yet, but we may be at... Uh, 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 Ice cream, not not ice cream sandwich, but the... uh, Whatever,
0: Jelly Bean 4.3 could be the version that's released on it. Yeah, and I'm not... I actually think it's going to be Keyline Pie. I'm, I'm not dubious to say that uh, that it's absolutely going to happen, but I do think that's that's probably what their plan is. Um, you know, as far as the, the Optimus L9, I mean, it's a good device. I, I think, personally, I would choose to go uh, over with a Nexus, just because of just the openness and, and the support that you're going to see for it, and depending on how long you're planning to keep this phone, um, I think that's probably the best way to go. Uh, you know, if you're looking to spend, uh, or you're able to spend a few more dollars, also check out either um, you know the Galaxy S4, Google Edition Galaxy S4, or, of course, the HTC One. There's also a Google edition. Those are uh, well over $500, though. So you're probably looking to uh, save a little bit of money. Uh, the fact that you use T-Mobile prepaid, uh, I'm guessing you're you're cost conscious here. But um, so that's why I would go with the Nexus 4, because you can get it for 300 bucks.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, you're not getting a heck of a lot more with those other devices. I mean, really. Incom- I mean, if you really boil it down, especially if you go with the Google Play versions, you're it's just you know it's got slightly better specs. I mean, really, is is all you're getting, and not that much better. It, granted, the Nexus Four is almost a year older now, but it it is a little bit harder to justify that extra cost.
0: I'm I'm thinking that way as well. I would have a hard time spending another two hundred to three hundred dollars more for a device when you can easily get something that is that is very well equipped. Uh, it's going to it's going to work just fine for you. I I really don't. S- I personally don't see a reason to do it, but again, that's just me, and everyone has got their own reasons, of course, uh, and uh, is going to make their own decisions for how you do these, but personally, I'm sticking, I think, with the Nexus if I'm buying an Android phone today. But thanks for the question. Hopefully, that gets you on the right track. If you'd like us to talk about or answer anything on a future show, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us your email to questions at junkie.com or give us a call 206-203-3734. Leave us a voicemail there. We'll get it. And we'll play it on a future show. We'd love to have your input and your questions for us to talk about. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at com.